I have the privilege to uh, do another podcast, which is very close to me and uh, has to do with relationships. And relationships doesn't mean just between um, business relationships, but men and women, most importantly. <clears throat> I'm sorry. And for this, um, for this podcast, which is going to be uh, a series of podcasts, we, we were talking about three series of podcasts to help men and women to, um, to live a, a happier and more powerful life. And th the title is The Power of Men and the Woman, because we each individually, we have power and we are powerful, but depends how we use that power. So with me, I have Jason Matthews. Hi, Jason. Hey, Eva. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on here again. And uh, I know you are a coach, you are, uh, and uh, you are a consultant, and I would like you to introduce yourself. So would love to. Absolutely. So as Ava so lovely, lovely said, my name is Jason Matthews, and I call myself a compassion strategist. And the reason why is because I find that in today's arena, we are so focused on developing skills. We are, so we are so focused on being proficient in something that we forget that being proficient isn't enough. You ha also have to be trusting. You also have to show that you are trusted. So in, in addition to being competent at what you do, you have to be compassionate. You have to show this ability of being likable, of being trustworthy, and of being approachable. And without those three things, a person is not going to put their faith in you. And so I've found that the more we create a trusting environment in each other, the more we develop that in ourselves, the more trust we gain from one another. And this allows us to do even more than just having a certain skill set will ever do for you alone. So my question, it's this is the biggest one because I hear a lot talking about it. Did the family structure decline in the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And what, what do you understand by declining the, the family structure? Um, I, I give you the place the, to talk about it and after I'm going to put my input. Great, thank you. Uh, yes, I, I firmly believe that there has been a serious decline of the family structure. And I think that it's been intentional. I think that we've seen an intentional message being invaded into human um, into the human emotional mindset that men are unreliable or men are unnecessary and that it's the woman's job to take care of the family of, ra of raising the kids and they can't rely on their male counterpart and this has done tremendous harm to the family structure because it has made it seem as though um, being a man is something that is is a, um, it's not necessary. It, it's, it's more of an option. Uh, when, it, when it comes to raising a family, uh, a man only has one job and that's just to procreate. Other than that, they have no use. And I think that in my opinion, the way that this has really harmed the family structure is that there hasn't been that masculine influence in both the boys and the girls uh, as they're growing up to really create a balance where a boy grows up knowing what it takes to really um, 
own himself in, in his own livelihood. And for women, what, what kind of role model they need to look for in a proper mate, as well as knowing how to really value themselves as an individual and what they're willing to accept or not. I think that there is a tremendous lack in that when you devolve the family structure and you reduce one of the parents to such a degree where they are considered unnecessary. That, that's just, of course, my own personal view. I'd love to hear yours as well. I believe that is a very big misconception what the role of a man and what the role of the woman is. And women, they like the bad boys, but they want uh, the, the men to be there and, uh, and provide. And we see when the father is missing, the only thing the woman wants is the money. And that's not enough. And they use their kids as tools when the family structure breaks up. And I think that's the biggest harm you can do to your children because the uh, child needs the father and the mother, as you said, because they don't learn from books. They don't learn from, you do this. They learn from observing. And when they observe, uh, how the mother relates to the father. They, they learn how to be that person when they grow up. They, the girls know how to find somebody who's going to appreciate them. So I think both gen uh, genders are losing by being raised only by one parent. So I totally agree with you. And it's very, very sad when the father is absentee or even the mother, because it's not just necessarily the fathers. There are many single fathers raising their kids. So uh, yeah, I totally agree, but it's my opinion and my observation talking with lots of people. So yeah, it's, uh, it's totally, totally, we are on the same page. Where do the, I know it's, um, do you think that women are more controlling these days and they want more, to have more control in the family union, control the men, control the kids, control everything? Do you think it's, it's kind of a masculine, masculinization of the women and feminization of the men? What is your take on this? I, I do think that's what's happening. And I think that it's the worst thing that could happen. And because... It, you, you know the symbol in um, Chinese theory of, of the, yin, the yin and the yang. Mm -hmm. And you have these two parts that make up a complete circle. And within one part, you have a bit of, a, of, of the other part inside of it. And this very much um, represents the duality of all existence. Everything is a duality, including men and women. Men and women are different, but they're complementary with men you have a much more young or or projecting type of nature but also they have a small amount of feminism of of yin inside of them um the young is more of a masculine the yin is more feminine with women you have a great re reservoir of feminine energy and within that is also a smaller reservoir of masculine energy now when you seek to flip the polarization where you are focusing more on the smaller part than the bigger part. You are limited in the amount of, of resources you have personally to be able to be effective in that role. So for men, if you, if you force a man to be feminine, 
they can only do that so effect they can only do that effectively for so long before it becomes toxic with women the exact same thing there's only so much masculine energy they can project before it becomes toxic and this is done on purpose because the role of a man and a woman regardless of whether you whether you whether you agree with it or not the role of a man and a woman is set to be of a certain place and when you honor that and you lean into that for women being more receptive, being more feminine, showing that that feminine side, that you are able to do that much more effectively than a man can, and vice versa. A man is going to have much more capability of being masculine in a positive way than a woman ever will. When you switch that, then you in, you invite a toxic environment, toxic relationships, and toxic individuals to take place. And as we support this kind of depolarization of what a person really is, and focusing on the smaller part of what they seem to be or what they or what we want them to be, you're going to see many more toxic behaviors come about from people. And you know what I observed? I don't know if you have the same observation. People are angry they are so angry. Yes. You see men like totally flipping out, going in rampant, rampant killings and and uh, and and certain other things they do. So it's like how 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 we can somehow create a balance, and that's what we're going to talk about the next two other sessions because one is going to be for men and the other for women to help. What do you think the, the role of the grandparents? Is it important for the for the children to have their grandparents in their lives? It's, it's funny you say that because I like I consider grandparents to be like a um, archive mm-hmm. where you have a rich history that is right in front of you, a generation that you did not grow up with, that have a set of experiences and a set of wisdom that you can draw from if you want to, if you know how, if you have that connection. People who have experienced a lot in life and have been a- are able to impart that on future generations. What makes this so important is that they can give you insight of what they've experienced and give you cautionary tales of what to watch out for or what to avoid or, or how to better conduct yourselves better than your parents ever could because your parents are dealing with you now. They're dealing with raising you in the now, using their current experience to develop you. Whereas the grandparents who aren't necessarily usually the primary caregivers of those children have the benefit of being able to draw from past experience and give it as a gift to their grandchildren. And when we see it like that, when we see our grandparents as a wealth of information that we can really learn from, that we can appreciate the life experience of, and that we can use for our own personal development, we find that people become much more well-rounded in who they are. They become much more capable in their ability to live as proper human beings. Our engagement goes up, our ability to understand how to use empathy increases. I think that having grandparents in our lives is tremendously important. And by cutting them off or by ignoring them or by believing that they don't have any kind of role in our lives is a huge disservice, not only to us, but also devalues 
the role of the grandparent. It makes them feel like they, they're useless. It, it kind of gives the sense of you're old, so you have nothing to give. You're, you're too old now to be a contribution. So if you have nothing that you can provide, you're useless. I think that is a, a huge tragedy if we're going to be going in that direction. It's funny, um, what, what is good to be a grandparent, because I'm a grandparent, that you have the time. The parents are always running, they have to pay bills, whatever. When you get to a point that you can have that quality time and you can teach some values. And uh, let's face it, parents, they have lots of stress. They argue sometimes, but the grandparents are going to be there to help to, uh, to normalize a little bit the life. And in all times, you had a community to raise a kid. And that community definitely included the, from both sides, the grandparents. So being uh, secluded, from the grandparents, I think it's it's a mistake. I think everybody should in, um, embrace that they are lucky enough to have their parents to help out with the children. I have to say one of the greatest benefits that I had growing up was that my mother's side of the family was very well connected. And every year we would have a family reunion. We would have grandparents, great-grandparents, uncles, aunts, great-uncles, great-aunts, cousins, the whole gamut. We had a huge family. And so most of us would come together. And I was always the kind of person who wanted to hear their stories. Mm -hmm. And so I would listen to what they had to say. And I have to say, I feel like it enriched me as a person because I was able to hear all these different stories about how a person endured, how they grew up, what they went through, how they overcame adversity, the challenges they went through, what they learned, and how they're able to use that in their lives. And it, it's such a blessing to have that kind of connection to your family. It does take a village. And when your village is all one family, it's great because <laughs> yeah, everyone has a last name, same last name. But it's, it's more of the fact that you are able to see how a person has been able to endure their own set of circumstances, how they were able to come to this point in, the, in their lives where your, where your experience and their experience meets. And you're able to learn from them and you're able to impart from them some certain nuggets that you can use in your own life. You'll never learn everything, but just one or two things. If you can really just value one or two things that you're grandparents, your great aunts, great uncles have to give you the things that they can really um, teach you that they find valuable, that they can impart to you, really listen and use them in some way in your own life. I think they will find that people have a much greater time of being able to endure their own adversity as well as connect with others. Um, it was my grandmother who raised me, basically. Mm. Uh, and so I was very, very close to her. And when she died, it was really a big loss. I'm still remembering some of her lessons and it stuck with me. I have uncle, now my father just died recently. And my uncle is, is it's the person who I go to if I have questions. I'm putting together actual family tree because I think oh, it's nice. important to know, you know, like great, great, great grand, uh, grandparents, uh, who they were. And basically it, it gives you some answers who you are now. So I think it's, it's, it's important. I agree. I have a big question now. 
and you can answer it. For in your point of view, what does it mean to be a man? So I alluded to before that men are a yang or projecting type of energy. That that masculinity is about the doing. Mm -hmm. And the best way to describe it in one word would be intent. A man is usually the one who provides the intent. I'm going to do this. I am going to act in this way. I am going to impose my influence on such and such a thing. And it's, it's been this way for the last 250,000 years. And biologically, regardless of what society says should happen, it's going to continue for the next, for as long as human beings are alive. This is something that is ingrained in us and is going to continue to be ingrained in us. It's, it's going to be that thing that we never escape from. Men are naturally the kind of person who does, who acts, who makes things happen. And they can do this very well for an extended period of time. um, It it almost seems that they can do it in an infinite way sometimes because they're naturally dispositioned for that. And when that is fostered, when that's celebrated, and when that's cultivated in the right way, a man can really just perform amazing feats because it is their it is their duty to do that it is a duty to perform it is a duty to act it is their duty to take action so i believe that among above anything else regardless of what the views are of masculinity femininity or what have you a man is going to be primarily masculine now there are some men who don't fall into that paradigm and that's fine because they they don't, they don't have the, the masculine reach that other men do. I'm not saying that those men are bad. It's, it's all a matter of degrees. For the most part, men are going to be mostly masculine. They're going to be primarily have a masculine nature. And when we celebrate that, we, we celebrate the fact that men have the ability, that, that we're celebrating a man's ability to um, make sure that regardless of how it's applied, that they just do. Really, that's, that's the best way that I, I can explain it in its broadest context. Think of men as like a container. They, they are the ones that um, can, can hold what needs to be held. And what needs to be held is feminine energy. They are the, the repository that feminine energy um, allows to express itself in its fullest. And without that container, feminine energy has no idea what its own definitions are. And so it can't express itself in the most, in the most powerful way. I hope that, that explains, I hope that answers your, your yeah, question. It does. It does. Actually, for me, a man, it's, um, it's not the male. The, for me, the man is the action that they take. Mm-hmm. It's what how they how they act how how kind and how tough they are so it's a lot of expected but in all times they were the hunters the gatherers and it's very funny because i have been talking to some women and they want to be pursued and if the man pursues them they saying oh 
uh, I'm really having a problem with that. And I'm like, you know, it's a mixed message that you're sending. You want the men to pursue you, but after you are complaining, why they pursue you? So I think it's a misunderstanding what it means to pursue and how, how men act. Men, for me, it's strength. Men is the one person that um, the woman holds together the family, but the man is there to protect the whole family. Mm-hmm. And every woman, I, I believe, I'm not just talking from my point of view, but I have been talking to women, they want that protection that men can provide. So this, this kind of feminization of the man for me doesn't really work because it's like either you are a man or you are not, take a stand or not. But I find that uh, women are more, uh, more aggressive and they want to control things. But in a way I understand because they got jobs, they sometimes are single mothers, but still femininity, it's very different of uh, what we think. I find that femininity in, the, in North America and in certain places, it's like how much you expose yourself. And I think that it's not feminine and actually it's kind of vulgar. I'm sorry, ladies, you can, you can be mad at me, but that's what I think. Certain things are meant to be more private. So I don't know what is your take on what is feminine and what is, uh, what is a woman, basically. Mm-hmm. So before I answer that, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Have you ever seen the movie Ghostbusters, the 1984 yes. version of the movie? Okay. <laughs> there, there's one specific scene. It probably lasts about maybe, I don't know, eight seconds. Yeah. A very, very small scene, but extremely profound where uh, Rick Moranis's character, um, who plays as someone who's possessed, as Sigourney Weaver is also someone who's possessed. Yes. Um, they are the key master and the gatekeeper. And when they, when they meet each other, Rick Moranis's character says, I am the key master. And Sigourney Weaver's character says, I am the gatekeeper. And this is a perfect example of the role of masculinity and femininity. The key master provides intent. The the one who actually says, I'm going to do. The gatekeeper says, I will receive, I consent. And that's that's really what the yin or feminine energy is all about. Receiving and consenting. Saying this is what what, um, will be expected. This is what is permissible. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's nothing more than that. This is what is permissible. This is what I accept. And when women take on that role of, of taking on the role of consent, and really it is the most powerful role. The, the role of intent just means I seek to do. But in order for that, for that um, action to be accomplished, there has to be consent to that action mm-hmm. in order for it to be healthy and appropriate. So when, when a person, uh, women, I'm going to use this example because you brought it up. When women um, desire to be recognized, they no longer are exhibiting um, or exercising consent. They're exercising demand. That's and, yeah. and this is toxic. Whenever 
Whenever something goes from either intent or consent to demand, it is toxic behavior. What they're saying is, I want to control the way that you see me. I want to control the way that you interact with me. I want to set all the rules. I want to make sure it's done on my terms, period. And this is toxic because control was never meant to be about controlling people. It was meant to be about controlling experiences. I mean, everyone manipulates. This is a whole cold, hard fact. You can't get anything done without manipulating. The word manipulation isn't bad. It is just changing things for one's own benefit. That's it. That is the basic definition of, of manipulation. So when you take that term of manipulation and you apply it to how men and women are most able to be their best self, meaning that the man acts in a way that is intent, a female acts in a way that is with consent. Now you have, um, I just lost my train of thought. One second. Consent and demand. Okay, so so now you you are you are acting in a way of I am manipulating the situation that you and I both find ourselves in in order to create the best version of intent and consent. Yeah. I am seeking for you to give consent to me. I am manipulating how you use consent so that it, it is directed towards me. And I am manipulating my intent so that it conforms to what you need. And in that way, there is that, there is that dance that is done that says, yep, okay, now we can, now we can both give each other, I can accept the intent that you're giving and, and the intent is successful. So females have a huge role in being able to make sure that something is successfully done. And if denied that, then it limits human capacity tremendously. You're, you're now taking something that um, allows a person to unlock his full potential, and you are saying that's not good enough. Yeah, it definitely it uh, it makes sense. It's when in a, in a couple's life you have power struggle. Who is the strongest? Who's going to uh, to win? It's not about winning and losing. It's about kindness, understanding, and communication. How are you going to communicate with your partner? Are you going to be angry? Are you going to be, um, you use certain languages that absolutely you would not use uh, with other people. And sometimes I'm surprised. I'm, I'm like, how these people are still together? Because feminine, it's, it's kindness. That's how I see feminine. It's not um, not being submissive. I'm not talking about being submissive, but I'm talking about kind, about understanding, and about finding uh, solutions to the problem. But the solution it it has to be found by two parties, not just one. I agree. It, it's funny because when I think about the idea of what it means to be really human or what it takes to create a healthy relationship. The one thing, the one word that comes to mind is recognition, recognition of one's self and recognition of your partner. And that's really all that's, all, all that's needed. If you can recognize the, that your partner's, um, the partner has certain traits that are amazing and you can really uh, bring these out, overtly recognize them. Your partner is going to be very appreciative. If a man says to a woman, I love you because of the way that you allow me 
to do what I need to do. I love the fact that you don't judge me. And because of that, I want to allow you to express yourself however you need to. And I will accept that. I will never judge you for the way that you express yourself because you don't judge me for the way that I, I express myself. And when you can have two people that, that, that have that arrangement where there is no judgment, there is just acceptance of the other person, you won't see those kinds of conflicts. You won't see the kind of, of fighting that happens because there's no struggle for recognition. There's no struggle to be, to be recognized. There's no struggle to be, to be respected. And I find the other thing that when people want something, they want the other person to guess what they want. So it's like, oh, you never take out the garbage. What about, please, can you help me? I need help. If people are very reluctant to ask for help because they don't know the next time the other person is going to ask for help, what's going to happen. But please, and thank you, it goes so long. Those two words I, are going like, it's, it's the base of everything, what we do, because it's recognition and really, um, and it's really uh, being uh, humble enough to thank the person that they did something for you. And it doesn't take much, but I find people, they don't do it often enough. So we can go in into this even more. Um, and I'm thinking like we were talking about to have only for uh, a session for men that um, how we could help, what it would take for them to get to the point that they are proud of themselves because I have been in relationships and I found that I always chose uh, a project, not a person. And it was because they were really like beating some, themselves up and they, were, they had no self-confidence. Not, I don't know, self-confidence, you are self-value or whatever it is, but um, if they can learn how to appreciate themselves and how to, how to present themselves, I think uh, their, their life would be much happier because and have the values and also the boundaries that if you cross this, you know what, I'm not going to accept that. The same thing for the women. It's like, okay, I, I want to be with you. And I found I was, uh, I was uh, watching something and they said many women and men these days, they want to live alone. They want a partner, but you live in your place. I live in my place and we just meet for fun. And I'm like, um, that's, that's like a friendship with benefits, but uh, it doesn't create that, that strong bond that being together with someone it would create. What is your take on that? So you said two things that I think are both I know. related. I know, I'm uh, sorry. But they're, they're both related. Um, the first one was about asking for help. And the second one was about the convenience of being able to see each other when you, when you want on your terms. They're both related because they both deal with a sense of reliability. Can I really rely on the person that I am with? And a person who doesn't, doesn't ask for help, person who is more likely wanting to have a relationship out of convenience, the answer is no. They don't feel like they can rely on other people because they have been let down so many times before. And there's this fear 
of letting someone in, of trusting someone with their emotions, with their vulnerability, being open to them, being connected with them, and willing to be suggestible to them as well. And without these components of being vulnerable, open, connected, suggestible, and communicating effectively, there isn't a relationship that can be had. You're right, it's just a friendship with benefits. And there's really no point to that except other than just to get a release. Uh, there was uh, this uh, person I was talking with before. She actually does um, sex therapy. And she was talking about, um, she wanted to know what I thought the difference between an orgasm and a release was uh, coming. Mm -hmm. And the difference is that uh, ejaculation or coming is just about a release. It's about personal satisfaction, whereas an orgasm is more about releasing control and trusting the person that you are with completely. And the point of that is you want to get to that, to that level where you can trust someone completely. You can feel like you can be completely vulnerable without fear, knowing that your counterpart is going to be there to support you. And this is especially true for women, being able to feel like they can be totally trusting in their, their man and know and have the man know that in the privacy of their home, they can show their vulnerable side and it's going to be nurtured, accepted, and loved by their female counterpart. And because there is a lack of this, we're seeing this sense of women needing more control men being feminized, this reverse polarity of how human beings actually are trying to take on a trait that is not theirs to take on. It, it's there for them to connect with and to understand the, their counterpart. It was never theirs to own. I'm so happy that we talk about these subjects because it's like it develops more. We talked a little bit uh, about the subject before, like uh, mm -hmm. last week or sometimes uh, this in the beginning of this week. And um, I think we want to do something uh, solution oriented to give people solution and to give people some, uh, some ideas how they can uh, be more, do more and be happier and be more powerful. And uh, I know you, uh, you are coaching people and you have uh, your business. So what we're going to do, uh, we're going to put uh, all the information about you. Would you like to, uh, to tell you, uh, what is the name of your company and also the, how they can reach you? Sure. So the, my company's name is Relatum. And I actually developed a course that talks about how to repair or create toxic-proof relationships. And so we'll have the, the link in the show notes, I'm sure. The, the uh, address is relatum.com slash toxic-proof-page. And you can reach me at jason at relatum.com, or you can also find me on Facebook at Relatum, or even on Instagram. Um, the uh, handle, I believe, is Compassionate Power um, or Compassionate Strategist. Uh, either way, if you, if you look up um, Relatum, you'll be able to find me on any one of those platforms. That's why you didn't get my uh, my invite for the for the Zoom because I sent it to your private uh, email. Ah, okay. 
okay, <laughs> now it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, where is the email? No, it wasn't on the business. It was on the private one. Got it. So um, why? this is the last question I have, the last subject that I would like to cover today. Uh, why do you think that in the past, the relationship between men and women worked so well? What was that one thing that, uh, that made it last? Because people, they did not just got rid of the relationship. If it was a problem, they fixed it. So what is your opinion on that? Trust. Trust. There, there was trust between, um, between both people, knowing that they had each other's back, regardless of, of what happened. It was there, there, there was trust within the unit, and because there was there was trust within the, in the unit, there was a realization of what each person brought to that, and it was able to develop to its maximum potential within that family unit. And so, because of that, no matter what adversities came about outside, they always had that trust in each other, and it it um, it was the one thing that I believe the, the one thing that made it possible for families to thrive because that trust created a sense of respect for each other because there was that understanding of this is what I bring to the relationship and this is what you bring to the relationship and it's all accepted. Now I'm going further. No, it just, it just gave me an idea about this, this mushy movies, I love you, I mean, it's love, and it's, it's so much used love as, as throwing it to the other person because you are infatuated. What does love mean to you? Um, just curious. Love, it's trust. It's trust. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It is the one word that is universal throughout all connections. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a romantic union, a business relationship, or a friendship. When you have trust, you have that sense of, I can be who exactly I need to be, regardless of what other people think, because you accept me. Yeah. And in most of the romantic movies, what people call chick flicks or rom-coms, whatever, it, it, there isn't a sense of trust. There's a sense of pursuit. Yeah. And that's what's focused on is the pursuit rather than the trust. The movies that I really like are, are more of the dramatic epics, like, like period pieces, whether it's Viking or like um, a great movie is uh, The Last Samurai. Wonderful, wonderful movie. Starring um, um, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah, Tom Cruise, um, and that movie really embodies the idea of what trust really is. And if you haven't seen it, I, I strongly suggest that you go and watch it, because when you see it through the eyes of of these characters that that are being portrayed, you see what trust really means and how it is applied, and how it makes or breaks a person. Having trust makes a person, makes a community, a village, a civilization. Lack of trust destroys it all. I got a very interesting um, um, realization, and it wasn't long ago. 
And basically it was, um, how can you love if you don't know how to receive love? If you are not able to receive, I think that's the, the highest power when you can feel the love of other people. But if you cannot, if you don't know inside or you don't receive that love, you don't let in that love, then it's no way that you're going to, uh, to be able to love someone or to give love to someone. I don't know if you agree. So this is why <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the very first thing that you need to learn how to trust is yourself. Yeah. And that requires an immense amount of curiosity about who you are. Having this idea of your own emotional awareness because we are emotional creatures first who use logic to understand and justify our emotions. Mm -hmm. When you look at people as being emotional beings, yourself as an emotional being, the question becomes, how do I better understand my emotions so that I can use them in the most effective way possible? Mm -hmm. You create that, that insanely curious investigation. And it's something that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. But by having that curiosity, you open yourself up to receiving the emotions of others as well, because you are now more aware of what your emotions are, which increases your empathy, the understanding and relating to other people, understanding of other people and relating to them. And that's a very powerful force because when you can understand and relate to people by understanding yourself and understanding them, you have a better idea of what you want to accept and what's going to build that trust and connection between you and them. Very interesting that I'm talking to women, especially, and they say, I'm so closed down. And I know I was closed down too. It took a uh, a kind of a different kind of experience to be where I am. But uh, they said, I'm closed down. I'm okay. I don't want to feel. I don't. It's, it's easier not to feel. And I'm thinking, isn't it life about experiences, about feelings, about, about living life in full, basically? And, and that's one of the things I'm working on with, uh, with uh, some of the people, how to open up to these experiences, to find out when, did, when was that moment when you close down and you don't let that feel or you don't let that person into your space because the wall is so thick that it's, it's unpenetrable. So the opposite of curiosity is fear. Yeah. And fear addresses itself in two ways, either through posturing, which is that fight flight energy of needing to either gain recognition or remove yourself from a situation that's harmful. The one that you're talking about is called collapse and collapse is a complete withdrawal. It is, it is not a fleeing energy. It is a stagnation energy. It's a desire to move in any, it's a lack of desire to move in any direction in order to minimize the hurt, harm, or damage that can be done. And when a person is in a state of collapse, it's dangerous because it can lead to a sense of being hopeless. And when a person is hopeless, who knows what kind of negative experiences they can bring themselves to. 
Yeah. And it's, it's only when a person feels like they can be curious where they can fall in love with life and enjoy taking the risk of living that they are able to open themselves up to those emotions, to being curious first about themselves and then about other people. Mm-hmm. But without that curiosity, you, you live in fear that close off sense of, I don't, especially when it's collapsed, the closed off sense, I don't want anyone around me because I can't trust them. I can't trust that they're going to have my best interest in mind or that they are not going to take advantage of me in some way. That's fear. And you know what? When you think like that, you attract those people who Mm -hmm. you cannot trust. It's very interesting. It's just nature. It's just, you know, the law. Exactly. You, You repel people who are naturally... Um, in a state of composure and you attract people who are also either in a state of collapse or who are in a state of posturing. And in either case, it creates a dynamic that is unhealthy. Absolutely. Well, I think it's, we're going to wrap up here. We're going to be talking and I'm going to uh, post all the information about your business Mm -hmm. And we're going to uh, figure out when we do the next one. And that's going to cover men. So gentlemen, if you have any questions, um, please don't hesitate to ask. And it's going to be our pleasure to answer it. Um, And uh, the following one is going to be about ladies. And we're thinking about another one. But let me see how I can put everything together so thank you, Jason. It was such a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, if, if we change one person's life, this is what all worth it. That's I how I believe it. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Eva, the Relationship Maker podcast. And I hope you find value. I'm looking forward to find to uh, see your answers, your questions. And I would like this to be interactive because it's more fun to be interactive than just be one person talking. If you have any issues or I don't know, you are in a, in a relationship or you are a single mother or a single father, or you just want to find answers, please don't hesitate to send the question. Goodbye.